Cyber attacks are rising across all industries, especially in the healthcare sector. So, when you examine these attacks up close, what trends are experts seeing? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee of Information Security Media Group. Today, I'm speaking with David Finn, Health IT Officer at security vendor Symantec, which recently released findings from a new Internet Security Threat Report. David will be discussing top cyber threat trends affecting the healthcare sector and other industries. So now, David, for starters, very briefly describe what the Symantec study examined and how was it conducted. The Symantec study is probably the most comprehensive uh, review of what is going on in the world of the internet and cyberspace that exists. Uh, it is uh, based on. Uh, 63.8 million attack sensors. Uh, we look at uh, thousands of events per second. Uh, we're active. Those network sensors and monitors are active in over 157 countries, and we correlate all the vulnerabilities over almost 25,000 vendors and over almost 75,000 products. So we're looking at a lot of activity, and it includes not only what we're getting from corporate customers globally, but the 52 million consumers and 175 million endpoints that are running our consumer Norton product. So it's a lot of information, and it spans January through December of 2015. So, David, what were some of the most important findings in this study when it comes to all sectors? The bad news is things are not getting better, but really kind of the, the top issues we found that were, were surprising and need to concern us is we saw an, an amazing spike in the number of zero-day vulnerabilities that were out there. In 2015, we saw an average of almost one zero-day vulnerability a week being exposed. And during the course of the year, we also saw half a billion Personal information records were lost to breach, so another big year. One of the most concerning issues, three out of every four websites put users at risk because they have unpatched known vulnerabilities on them. So websites are becoming a new source of infection and attack. The other strange thing, certainly not new to healthcare recently, is that encryption, which we used to think of as our friend, has now been turned against us. It's been weaponized, if you will, and uh, the bad guys are using this ransomware and actually encrypting our own files with their keys so we can't get to our own data. And so when you look at some of those things together, like the number of zero-day vulnerabilities and the encryption being turned against us, we've begun to see the professionalization, if you will, of cyber criminals. It's really almost a career path now. As you mentioned, we have seen a large uptick in ransomware attacks, especially in the healthcare sector in recent months. What sorts of malware and ransomware are predominantly being involved with these attacks, and what should organizations be watching for? comes down to basic blocking and tackling, and, and I point to one of the, the key findings with the websites. We're almost, uh, in fact, it's 78% of the websites have unpatched vulnerabilities. And you hear that and you sit there and think, well, 
That's just someone needs to run the updates and do the patches and maybe upgrade the software, and you should be doing that on a regular basis. And unfortunately, because of the pace of change, particularly in healthcare, we tend to lag in those areas. We tend to not update on the regular basis. We tend to not take patches on the regular patch Tuesdays or the other schedules that other vendors put out. And what we have to look at is now, if we're thinking of these bad guys as professionals, not just the one-off kind of hacker, but as professional teams out there trying to make a living, it puts us more at risk. So not doing the basics actually is raising the risk level to us. And kind of what we've seen in how healthcare providers view cybersecurity is we've seen this shift from accidental or even coincidental breaches. Our breaches used to be lost devices, lost laptops or tablets or even lost tapes, and that has changed. It's now attacks are the number one way uh, healthcare data is lost. And we've seen this shift from protecting patient data because it isn't about the data anymore. It never really was, but that's how healthcare thought of it. But when you look at the ransomware issues and the shutdowns of the hospitals and slowdowns of operations, this is not about the patient data. It's about our ability to take care of those patients. And that has to change our perspective and how we deal with cybersecurity, or it certainly should change the way we deal with it. When it comes to ransomware attacks that we're seeing in the healthcare sector, what are the most common vectors or mechanisms being used to carry out these attacks? I think today the most common attack is is the phishing or spear phishing targeted attack. And and in many of the attacks that have gathered some media, employees at that organization, either all of them or many of them working in specific areas, received emails. The emails looked like something from someone inside their organization, or in the case of Hollywood Presbyterian, they looked like invoices. And so employees, in trying to fulfill their daily work schedules, opened up these emails and clicked on things they shouldn't have opened or clicked on. They opened emails that they weren't expecting, that they should have been you know, uh, forewarn that if you get an email you're not expecting from someone you don't know, you need to be a little more cautious around it. So I think email is today in healthcare the number one delivery method of these ransomware attacks. So then what is your advice for how organizations can do a better job preventing their employees from falling victim to spear phishing? And if an employee does fall for one of these tricks, what is the best way to stop the damage from escalating, particularly because you can't stop all mistakes? Absolutely. People are always going to be people, and and we want them to, but we have to make them better people. So the top two things on my list is the battle for this ransomware is now at the end point. It's back to the desktop or the laptop or the tablet or the mobile phone, whatever the endpoint is or whatever endpoint the end user is using. And so we've kind of lost focus for a number of years on on the endpoint. We thought if we protected the perimeter and the network and we were watching all that, we'd be safe. 
And what's become clear is these bad guys are really professional, and, and they knew how they would get caught. So they've changed their technique. So they're getting through to the end point now where they can use the social engineering. Someone thinks they got a message from their CEO or someone thinks they got an invoice from an outside vendor. So the battle is at the end point. The first thing you have to do is have a, uh, a mature, robust endpoint solution, and you have to make sure that it's updated and all the engines that are running on it. It's not just antivirus, but it's the anti-malware, and it's got heuristic uh, file checking on it, so it's going to recognize bad files. And we see a lot of times people put on the uh, endpoint protection, but they don't turn everything on. So you have to start with a secure endpoint, whether it's a tablet or a phone or, or a desktop or, frankly, a server for that matter or, or even storage. You have to have the protection at the endpoint. The next area, and I honestly believe it's the biggest bang for your buck today, is end-user training. You've got to teach people what to be suspicious of. You've got to teach people to think about things before they open files that they're not expecting, before they click on links that they don't recognize, and things coming from sources they don't recognize. After that, it really becomes kind of best IT practice, and that's where we lag, I think, in healthcare. I spoke to you earlier this year about uh, the HIMSS analytics and semantic survey, and we talked about the fact that healthcare IT is, is generally understaffed, particularly the security is understaffed, underfunded, and this is where we begin to see the issues around maintenance and updates and having the right tools, intrusion prevention and intrusion detection, and, and even having robust comprehensive backup solutions. Because one of the things these ransomware products look for is they go in and find out where you're backing up your data because that would be the, the easy way out of a ransomware situation. But they actually go find your backups and either delete or encrypt the backups before they start encrypting your production files. So after you've got your endpoint secure and your users trained, it really is best practice around your IT infrastructure management. Now, you also mentioned that there's been an uptick in the sort of vulnerabilities involving websites. How how vulnerable are patient portals to the sorts of attacks and threats that we're seeing? You know, when we look at the millions of, of websites and we come up with this 78%, we're not slicing and dicing those. We just look at websites. So I think the portals are no different than, than a commercial B2B site or any other company's website. And again, it's kind of this best practice approach. You've got to keep them current. You've got to keep them updated. They've got to be maintained in terms of users and access. We're seeing a lot of movement in healthcare towards two-factor authentication, which help limit who's coming into those websites. Obviously, if they're public websites, you can't do that. But when you get into the portals and when you get into physician portals, there's additional tools and levels of security you can layer on your public website. You just got to keep that up to date, and you got to have someone watching it. You need to make sure you've got tools monitoring it for uh, changes, for attempts to manipulate the website, and for strange traffic or anomalous traffic patterns to the website, to and from the website.
Now, David, last year we saw large cyber attacks on health plans. This year we've been seeing a lot of ransomware attacks targeted at hospitals. What other segments within the healthcare sector do you think could be next? And what about health information exchange organizations? What sort of attacks should they be worried about? I think everyone is uh, vulnerable at this point. So, for instance, we just saw the audit on uh, healthcare.gov and they found vulnerabilities. The, the auditing groups found vulnerabilities around healthcare.gov. I don't think anyone is immune from this. And there used to be a thought uh, process that if you were small, or if you were rural, you might be exempt from some of this. But one of the findings in the report is actually that attacks on small businesses are increasing. And they're probably, unfortunately, the least able to deal with these attacks. So obviously the bad guys go for the easiest target. I think they're going to be next. We're starting to see the uptick in small businesses. So well, it was these used to be these big hospitals, big health systems, and the payer organizations, I think we're beginning to see more attacks on physician practices, on clinics, on reference labs or durable medical equipment providers. And some of these organizations, you know, that that data all goes to the dark web and is available for the right price. And I think some of these organizations actually start to correlate that data. So they may have hacked a payer last year and gotten a lot of names and addresses, and now they may be looking to providers and, and kind of correlating the data on a patient they got from a payer, and now they're looking on the provider side. We noticed the Chinese took a lot of data or, or have been uh, allegedly took a lot of the Anthem data, and so now they're, and nothing was done with it to date, so you have to wonder what they're doing with it, and if they've taken that much data, it probably makes sense they're using it somehow, and using those names and those identities to gain more information and more details about those people would be a reasonable assumption to make. And David, when it comes to ransomware attacks, the advice is generally don't pay because it will encourage more attacks. But as we've seen in some incidents involving hospitals, for instance, you know, it might take days for them to get their systems back operating, and it's an expensive endeavor, perhaps. At what point do organizations feel that, you know, they have no choice but to pay? It's just going to be too disruptive. And what do you say about that? This is one of the other big shifts we've seen, I think. We're starting to shift our thoughts from compliance and just checking boxes and saying we followed these rules to understanding that this is not really a risk around data but a risk around patient safety and quality of care. And it's it's a very important mind shift we have to make because the data today in the clinical operations and the business operations of healthcare is the same as the patient. You can't really treat a patient if the EHR is down, if you can't get to PACS images, if you can't see an allergy list or a medications list. And so that's exactly the warning I think that the ransomware should call out to us. If you haven't figured out that these are not just systems, 
but they're care delivery tools for physicians, for caregivers, for the patients themselves. You need to make that shift very quickly, and it isn't just checking boxes. When a hospital pays a ransom, it really isn't to turn computers and storage devices back on and to fire up the network. They're paying the ransom because they can't take care of their patients. And that's not a IT security issue at that point. That is a business issue. That is a quality of care and a patient safety issue. So I, I think that's one of the things that ransomware may have helped wake us up about, that this isn't really just an IT issue anymore. It is a business issue today. And finally, David, do you think ransomware will continue to be the biggest threat for healthcare organizations this year, or is there something else that you see emerging that could eclipse even the threat of ransomware within healthcare? You know, ransomware is not new. We saw ransomware back in 1989, and the irony is it didn't take off then because there was no good way to collect your ransom. We didn't have Bitcoin back then. And ironically, it was spread through the five-and-a-quarter-inch floppy drives. And so if you saw a machine go down, you, you kind of figured out not to take that floppy drive and put it in another machine. Well, now we've got this hyper-connectivity. Everything and everyone is connected, so it's easy to spread it. So I think we'll continue to see ransomware until we get a good handle on these endpoints and train people and have good recovery solutions, and we'll get there, and then there will be the next new threat, and we don't know what that is. We do know that the bad guys can typically move faster than a healthcare organization in deploying defenses and finding new ways to attack. So I think for the short term, ransomware is going to continue. Those guys sending it out are making a lot of money, so they're not going to stop. And as we find ways to fix that, there'll be another new threat and there'll be new ways to extort the money. And it's staying ever vigilant and figuring out what's really going on on your network and who's doing what and is it the right people accessing the right data. Thanks, David. I've been speaking to David Finn. I'm Marianne Kolbusak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.